This podcast is brought to you by Dr. James McIntyre and his team at Adjust Your Health in North Calgary. When I met Dr. James almost 20 years ago, I was taking 10 to 12 Advil every day just to get through my workday, not to mention the stuff I was doing at night like alcohol and other substances. I suffered from chronic pain due to car accidents, sports injury, and repetitive motion damage from being a drywaller. I had worked in the trades for nearly 20 years and had more than 10 car accidents, three very serious ones. I had some severe sports-related injuries. Most of my cryo SI would only give me temporary relief from day-to-day pain. It was getting expensive and depressing to see the other doctors knowing that I would be right back into the same boat the next morning. I was lucky that the last chiropractor I saw said that she cannot help me anymore and directed me to Dr. James McIntyre. After only a few visits, I felt tremendously better. Most of my pain had left, my mobility was coming back, and I didn't need as much Advil. If I remember right, it was only a few months and I was almost completely off the pills and life was getting better. I have known Dr. James and his crew for almost 18 years and referred almost everyone I know to him and they have become Adjust Your Health advocates. The team at Adjust Your Health offers a wide array of services including acupuncture, massage therapy, chiropractic, and physiotherapy. They believe in a multidisciplinary approach to patients' care and use a variety of techniques to help their patients achieve their goals of pain relief or injury resolution to improve sports performance. Calgary is privileged to have such a highly qualified team of practitioners available to accommodate your health and well-being needs. If you are in pain or an athlete or just want to be as healthy as possible, check them out at www.ayhcalgary.com. Our next sponsor is Paul Nye from Nye's Touch and Nye's Tats. There's some debate over who invented the first motorbike. Several men claim to have the first designer patent. Regardless who it was, my guess is that the very next year, some dude started customizing his newly invented contraption. Throughout history, men and women have been altering their transportation to move faster, turn sharper, or turn ahead or two. If you are customizing your ride to be low and slow, shiny and fast, loud and obnoxious, You have not completed the project until you have your custom paint job done. Paul Nye at Nye's Touch is your guy for custom paint on bikes, boats, cars, buses, or anything else you ride. You want a bike that looks like no one else? Nice Touch. You want to honor a fallen friend with the hood of your car? Nice Touch. You want a mural of your favorite girl on the side of a bus? You guessed it. Nice Touch. Paul has been airbrushing for more than 15 years and his work will take your breath away. Check out his work on Instagram at Dripping Chrome or on Facebook at Nice Touch or call him at 587-435-4602 for your free estimate. Don't forget, Paul will be in a tattoo studio near me soon. And now, on with the show. No. Podcast. With Chad Ferguson. Hey everybody, this is Chad with the I Wanna Know Podcast, a kick ask podcast. I'm here with a new friend today, Christine Taylor from Hoodoo Design. Hi, thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, so you sort of came a little bit fam- famous for uh, doing some jewelry for Jan Arden. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite kind of a funny story. I mean, um, 
I just started my business. I decided I wanted to leave the IT world in oil and gas to stay home with my son. He was three at the time, almost three. And uh, I was on Twitter. I'd just kind of gotten on Twitter. It was fairly new back then. And uh, I'd had a conversation with her on Twitter, like a funny banter. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then next thing I know, she's following me. And I thought, well, that's really cool. (laughs) And then the following week, I got a phone call from her. Wow. And I thought it was my friend's pulling my leg because I thought because I thought it was just cool that she said hi and you know you're funny and whatever yeah and she was just starting up her free tour back then and she wanted a local artist to make things for her tour so instead of like the t-shirts and those kinds of things that are sold yeah she wanted uh, something you know handmade and something from a local artist so we met for coffee a couple times, uh, did a few prototypes for her. She loved them. And I ended up making 500 pieces for her tour, all handmade. Oh, wow. Took me months. Yeah, yeah I it was. I, uh, I When she said she needed 500, I almost threw up because I thought, <laughs> how am I going to do that? <laughs> so, I know. But it was pretty cool. One piece at a time, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah, she came over for uh, you know lunch one day. And I'm trying to be super professional, you know, right. trying to act like I know what I'm doing because at the time I still didn't really yeah and uh she was like no we're going upstairs in the playroom to watch wally like with my son and the two of them sat there for 45 minutes watching disney movies nice. <laughs> so she's just as friendly amazing funny as you hope she'd be so i think most artists most celebrities are pretty down-to-earth people i think so I yeah get the odd person that maybe stands out yeah. as a little bit of a jerk or right or, yeah you know, self-righteous <laughs> well i had done um shortly after that i was chosen to be the jewelry designer for the 2010 country music awards they were oh, wow. being held in edmonton <clears throat> and uh, i met a lot of people uh lots of olympians um um Lots of musicians, of course. I had made, uh, I knew three that were going to be there, so I had uh, already made ahead some some ones for them. So Terry Clark's mom had just passed away, so I had made her one Memorial memorializing her yeah. mom. And she wore it actually on the show that night, Very cool. which was cool. Uh, Johnny Reed, I made a necklace for her, uh, for his uh, wife. Yeah. And... Um, I had a chance to meet Johnny Reed. He's he was a pretty fabulous. outstanding. Oh guy. yeah, he was really he was really cool. Yeah. So, but you know, for the most part, they were great. But one, I was so disappointed in. Um, one of my favorite bands growing up was Blue Rodeo. Yeah. They were not kind. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they were not nice at all. I like burst my bubble. Yeah. Uh, Same. There was a couple Dixie chicks there too, and yeah, they weren't super excited to. I would imagine that once you get to a certain I, level, yeah. people want stuff from you all the time. I guess. Right. Yeah. Sort of I suppose. It, or yeah. I mean, and those kinds of things are probably meh, no big deal, right? right? Especially coming to Canada. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Well, but, twenty years in or thirty years. Yeah. In maybe and, you get jaded. I don't know. But yeah. Johnny Reed was amazing and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there were some really good people there. Met some really cool uh, Olympians and some skaters and curling. I can't think of his name now, but yeah, it was fun. It's Canada. How do you not know what curling was? <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I have never watched curling. Uh, yeah. Actually, I wasn't even really a country fan, so I was really nervous to go because oh, yeah. I was going to have to talk to like all these people for four days straight. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I had to do a lot of research to figure out who all these people were. So so how did that work? Did like you set up a booth there? Or yeah. So a... I had some of my stuff there and I, um, so when you go in, it was like one of those, a gift room basically. Okay. Um, so you're basically gifting them 
some, a piece of your work. Yeah. Um, and through that, I got a ton of publicity. I got a few jobs after that from some musicians wanting the same kind of thing I did for Jan. Nice. Uh, so, I mean, it was kind of a, it was a win-win. So yeah, it, it does cost you money to go in those things. Yeah. I was actually asked to go into the Golden Globes uh, gift room in 2011 okay. and it was on my due date with my daughter so I, I couldn't oh. go but more than that it was going to cost me ten to twenty thousand dollars plus product wow and I guess if you are you know a sock company or something and you can mass produce your socks it's yeah. easy to give away 500 things but when you're hand making things it's just not possible well, so. it's months on end yeah and it's the, the expense would have killed me so and i wouldn't have seen the return on it yeah, right so yeah. i mean that's why you do these things right you you need to see something wasn't from it like it. the spanx lady or something like that got yeah, that as well and, and that's how one of her steps to her boom for sure and i think it, depending on the kind of product you have it yeah. can work but when i'm you know everything i do is handmade i do it all myself there's just no way i could yeah. have done that but i mean it was just an honor to be asked so, yeah, I bet. I think they say that, right? It's an honor to be nominated. <laughs> well, it really was. It was pretty cool. So yeah, yeah. It, and if you're in the right place in your business, and it would be totally for sure, beneficial, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I just could never have have done that. But I did go in the Whistler Film Festival uh, yeah. gift room, which is sort of like our Sundance, yeah. kind of, like the Sundance kind of uh, one. So that was cool. How'd you? Who'd you get to meet there? Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is embarrassing. A lot of Canadians I do know. <laughs> yeah, there was some. Yeah, there were some other people there that uh, I met, but it wasn't as as big as Sundowns for sure. But yeah, it was still a cool experience. And again, it was really early on in my business, so everything was exciting, and yeah. you know, it was pretty cool. But from those experiences. Um, you know, it really helped gain momentum with my business because I did get a lot of traction in the media. Yeah. Um, I ended up being in an Asian fashion magazine, which I got a ton cool. of yeah, a ton of orders through that. It was like six page color glossy. Wow. All in Chinese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't know what it says, but yeah. Lots of pictures and stuff. I got a lot of orders, and then I ended up getting a ton of international orders from that. Very cool. And I've just used social media basically. I've never yeah. really paid for advertising. So and yeah, it's been pretty amazing i'm blown away um maybe out of ignorance but the amount of women in airdrie that oh, are running no. successful businesses it's, it's you know when i moved to airdrie uh, i've been here almost 12 years and i had just <clears throat> left uh you know a large oil and gas company uh with a and at that time it was you know a really great place to be <laughs> right. not so much now um and i thought what am i doing like i really wanted to stay home with my son yeah. I, I knew at that time there was something going on with him but it just it took us until he was eight to find out that he has autism okay um so i, I just felt in my gut that i needed to be home and the kind of job i worked i was a communications advisor for it for suncor wow. and um it meant that sounds like a lot of responsibility. It was, and it, it, it meant late nights because it's 24 hours, you know, if, yeah. if the plant's down, you've got to let people know, that kind of thing. So it, it was just too hard. It was yeah. just too hard to do that and and have a child, plus have a child that I knew was having some kind of difficulties. I just didn't know. Yeah. So when, I, when we decided to move to Airdrie... Um, I thought, you know, is this the right thing to do, just starting a business? But it actually turned out to be probably the best thing. Wow. Because at that time, there was only 35,000 people here. So yeah. And we've nearly doubled oh, I know, since it's then. it's insane. Yeah. But the um, small business-mindedness here is amazing. Yeah. Um, women in business, 
huge. The support too is what I've, uh, yeah. I, I think I put a post out a couple of weeks ago just thanking everybody because we just get so much support, so right. much sharing, so much liking, like the, right. and you know, how many local people have I had in here that mm-hmm. have um, gone on to share their business on the, the podcast and then share our yeah. business outside the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think it's still a small town. It has that small town feel. It does. I mean, what I love about living here is that I don't have to go to Calgary anymore, except, you know, it used to be to go to Winners, and now I don't have to do that. Um, <laughs> you so, got Balzac, and we got Right. I, I know I always forget the one in Balzac, because I hate them all, so I never yeah. go there, but I'm super happy we have one here now. But, um, you know, but you still have a, a, a real community feel here, and I feel that I also uh, moonlight as the communications manager at the Airdrie Food Bank, so um, I especially feel that it's... It, it may be, we may be getting bigger. Yeah. It may be a little scary at times because there's so many people here now, but yeah. we still have a real community. And I think um, with the inception of that Shop Local Airdrie Facebook page, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I am, but yeah. It just started been, following a couple months yeah, ago. Yeah, it's amazing. I think yeah. that, um, you know, one thing I learned early on, I, I had been burned a couple times with some deals, business deals with uh, one was a nonprofit and the other was just, you know, a local person. Yeah. Um, was that you're going to go through those and, right. and you learn from them. I really learned a hard lesson. I lost a lot of money at one time with one particular deal um, yeah. because I was too nice. Yeah. And I just trust trusted this yeah. person. But um, but one thing I've learned is that, um, you know, I my work is very specific in Sterling and Stainless. Um, but there's another lady here who does the same type of work, but she does bronze and copper. Oh, cool. And, you know, we always pass each other's customers on to each other if if they're looking for something that I know that is not my you know style I'm very specific I don't like to do that you know a different kind of style so I will pass them on to her and she does the same and there are a lot of people that do that there are a lot of people that don't want to you know do that you know and I just think you're better off as a one as a human (laughs) to do that absolutely but also in business because that way you're you're seen as somebody that's, you know, it's not just about the business. It's yeah. about creating, you know, uh, work and business for people so that they can stay home with their kids or they can do, yeah. you know, what they want to do and not have to work for, you know, some guy so he can get his new car on the 20th floor. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I got tired of. Well, and I've, and I've got both. I've been very lucky. I've got a really good job that uh, pays me well, that allows me to do stuff like this on the side. Right. And, uh, um, and and you're right. It is great in Airdrie. We do have a good community. Mm-hmm. We have a few things that we need to sure. um, fix here in Airdrie. Right. Um, it's not, you know, lollipops and rainbows no, every day. No, but, um, but we do have a very phenomenal For sure. City. And I think, in part, that's just our growth so quickly. We just can't. Yeah keep up with the growth and the needs of our community. I think that's true everywhere though. Like true. this is the first time we've had to, like our mayors had to take care of a city of 70,000 people, right. right? It's the first time that Calgary's hit whatever it is, 1.2 million right. doll, uh, people right. dollars, <laughs> <laughs> that, that we're, we're constantly growing and having to learn. And that's the great thing about being in business is that mm-hmm. learning, right? Because if you're planning on growth, you know there's going to be hiccups in there. It's not mm-hmm. like a straight rocket to the top. It's going to be, you yeah. know, ups and downs. And you try to level off those peaks as for best sure. as you can. And I think just having had my business now for almost 12 years, I've had to reinvent myself a few times mm-hmm. um, because the market changes, the, uh, you know, amount of extra, you know, cash that people have to purchase things yep. changes. So I have changed. Uh, originally, actually, when I started my business, um, 
I was actually making handmade wedding invitations, oh, cool. which couldn't be further from what I'm doing now. <laughs> but I was doing that sort of when I was at Suncor on the side for friends and then the friend of the friend and then somebody else said, oh, you've got to check her out. And I loved it. It was great. But that was just about the time when that online digital sort of was just happening about a year right. after. Yeah. So people could go and create their wedding invitations on Vistaprint or something and then <laughs> right. print it off for like dirt cheap. And I was expensive, right? Because yeah. it was all handmade. And that was what I loved about it. Yeah. And also brides are kind of crazy and their mothers are even crazier so just for health reasons no i'm kidding um but how they are I, a little crazy yeah, they I mean, are i mean you're not too far from the no truth. it's pretty true but yeah. i started out making well these invitations and i went to the bridal fair as a vendor yeah. and i i wanted um you know when i was at suncourt i was basically having to sell it to the rest of the business because we didn't make money Right. We, we spent money. So right. I could sell anything. I just needed the idea to yeah. sell it. Right. So when I went to the bridal fair, I wanted something attached to a business card that people would keep yeah. because usually when you go to those things and you get all this literature and stuff, what do you do with it? Yeah. You throw it out. Right. You don't even look at it. Right. Yeah. You take it and you, you know, cause you want to be nice. Right. <laughs> so I attached these little glass pieces that I was making with my own graphic designs. Cause I was a graphic designer as well. And, uh, they were, you know, like there's something blue so you could attach it to your bouquet. Yeah. Yeah. So people kept them and then people wanted them as jewelry. So I started doing that and then I moved away from that into uh, glass jewelry, which is what I made for Jan. Yeah. Um, and then I was in Scottsdale at a resort and they had a silversmithing class just for fun. And I took it and I fell in love with, you know, Very bending cool. metal and welding and yeah. doing all that stuff. So, and that's how I started doing And I've been doing sterling for at least nine years now. And I sold off my glass business to somebody. And Beautiful. Yeah. So. That, that always amazes me. Like, you watch, uh, you know, the Dragon's Den on TV. Yes, yeah. And some people have a business and it is like their firstborn child. Yes. Like they yeah. just hold on to it like, no, it's got to be all mine. Yeah. I've got to be the thing. It's got to be this. Right. But real business is about that evolution. It is, and yeah. then if you can sell something yeah. um, that's not working for you right now, hopefully it works yeah. for the next I mean, person. It's, it's you, brilliant. You have to, and, and I, have, I learned a lot actually watching the Shark Tank and Dragon's Den. And I'm yeah. always yelling at the TV when they don't <laughs> accept the deal because. Like a small part of big is better than no part or nothing. Right? Well, that, that's so, the way I look at it too. Oh, like so I just I can't believe that they don't see that they as don't. winning the lottery. Yeah. If one of the dragons or the sharks right. go, "Hey, I want to invest in your business." Yes, sir. What do you want to do? Yeah, like let's do that. Well, I mean, over the years, I've had these brilliant ideas within design that I think these are going to take off. This is going to be the next big thing, and then right. it, <laughs> wah, wah. it wasn't. Exactly. And so, you, yeah, I moved on, and you, you have to yeah. because not everybody thinks your stuff is cool. And and that's fine. That's right. But if, but the, the really the, um, you really see the results in in the money, and if you're not making money off of it, right? Then, then you okay, that's not working. It. So let's move on. So, so what is a communications manager? That's uh, like I've seen that on for the Airdrie Food Bank. You right. did it in IT. What what is that? So I am the events communication and marketing manager at the food bank. So yeah. I. Um, Basically do all the social media, um, some fund development, trying to get funds in, and um, also uh, sort of head the events. So at at the Airdrie Food Bank, we only have two signature events, and that is the uh, Shamrock Shimmy in March and Empty Bowls in September. Those are the only two that we actually put on ourselves. Everything else you see going on, whether it's chiropractic offices or Costco or right now New Horizon Mall is doing a couple events for us to skate in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Those are all events that people want to put on for us. That's very cool. Right. And, yeah. and this time of year, I mean, I had nine emails this morning 
just about people wanting to do something for us. So, okay, cool. so I take all that information and we have uh, event forms, we have them fill it out and then we help facilitate those for them, whether it's uh, volunteers, um, you know, signs, boxes, things like that, that we can take to their event. And sometimes Lori, our executive uh, director will attend the events. We have yeah. an events assistant that attends the events just to help them facilitate and help promote them so that they're successful for them. Because, yeah. you know, every situation we do, we need it to be a win-win for everybody. Right. right. So, yeah. um, you know, we do a lot of events at this time of year and, uh, we are happy and thrilled to help to do that because I mean yeah. they're helping us help our community so that's a, and and Airdrie is still in need it, absolutely yeah um uh hunger count numbers uh if you're not familiar with hunger count food banks Canada puts out a hunger count in March and it's basically you know what's happening what happened in the month of March across Canada for food banks okay and this year um if you look at the numbers I believe that Canada why the average for children that are recipients of hampers is 38 percent we're 44 percent in Airdrie so 38 percent of kids across Canada Thir- no 38 percent of hamper recipients oh, okay are families with children under the age of 18 okay and in Airdrie we're 44 percent wow and that's in part because we do have a very young community yeah but that's Way too much. Yeah. Um, everything we do as far as our breakfast program, our snack program, and our lunch program was up 10, 20, and 38% up higher than last March for us. Wow. So that means that kids in Airdrie are going to school hungry. Right. And uh, one of the pushes that I uh, want to do this year um, is educate that I don't think a lot of people realize that we support those programs 100%. So, yeah. um we last year thirty eight thousand snacks went out at a dollar a piece. Wow! So that cost us thirty eight thousand dollars, and because they have to be specific to the school, meaning no, no nuts. nuts, no chocolate coated stuff, you know, relatively healthy. Yeah. That's the cheese snacks, uh, the dipping with the crackers and crackers and tuna, yeah. fruit cups, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, we provide a lot uh, as well as. Uh, school lunches to four of our schools and the breakfast program and I believe all the schools. So, and that all costs money. What do you think is leading to such a high number? Because there's two things now that uh, one, domestic abuse in Airdrie is higher than everybody else. And now I'm realizing that uh, um, obviously finances aren't very good in Airdrie. Right. So what do you think is leading to, to... or the major cause for that is? Well, I think, I mean, we've always had an issue. I think every community does. Yeah. Um, however, We're I do... not expecting it to be zero. No, of right. course not. Um, but I do believe that the oil industry has played a massive part in it. <clears throat> um, you know, one thing I try to explain to people, one of the questions I get a lot is, I see this guy pull up in his $40,000 SUV and right. he's getting a hamper. Right. Why does he get a hamper? Well, he gets a hamper because he was working in the oil and gas industry. He lost his job. They have no money. Hopefully that truck is paid for. Well, that's the thing. If you are coming from a place of making over $100,000, you probably have a home with a very large mortgage and everything in Airdrie, you know, housing-wise is expensive. Yeah. You probably got a truck or something that you haven't paid off. Maybe you have an RV. You've got credit or, you know, debt. You... You, we don't know your story. People don't know your story. Right. Um, and so if you've lost your job, you've now gone through, you know, two years ago, you've now gone through your, um, you know, maybe your layoff pay and your unemployment yeah. and you still haven't found a job and now you're having to sell off things and now you don't have money for food. Right. And that is why we don't know people's story. We right. had another client who was a professor at the university 
Wow. But she she um, had cancer. Yeah. Went through the treatment. Was still very ill. Didn't have her job. Lost her benefits. You know, she needed our help. Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe she is coming in with nice clothes or she has a nice car, but you don't know your everybody's story. You don't right. know where they've come from, right? Yeah. And I think that we're seeing that more and more um, with because of the oil business. You know, there aren't a lot of jobs out there. Yeah. I mean, not, I, not well-paying jobs. No. I think there's still a significant amount sure. of uh, availability, but they're they're minimum wage jobs. Well, they're, you sure there's jobs, but if yeah. you've been working, you know, and you have a you've had a career, and you you know you've had this great job, and I think it's hard for people to then yeah go from that you know making a hundred thousand dollars a year to making minimum wage. I mean, right? You know, people do it that you have to, yeah. If, especially if you've got a family, but uh, we you know we see nationwide that it was singles that were more accessing the food. But in Airdrie, it's families. Yeah. And like I said, in part, We've that's because be we have... We've got to be like 90% family. So like it's got to yeah. be a high number of, of households in Airdrie that have families. Yeah, I would say so. It's a, And it's a pretty young community too. It is. Uh, you know, we, you can see that just by the increase of schools that are being built. One of the things I spoke to Crystal Boys about, who I think you know as mm-hmm. well from Airdrie Power, yeah. um, was like building a shelter is essential in Airdrie for abused women as the food bank is for right. people who don't have food. But what's the solution for them coming forward? That is there education on, um, and, and I'm not pressuring you guys like you're not doing enough. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not my... Oh, it's okay. I'll rebuttal. Don't worry. Perfect. <laughs> um, you know, is it educating people on finances and savings and, and uh, you know, when you have big money doesn't mean you spend big money. When you have right. big money, that's the time that you fill your bank accounts. Right. You know, you give to your community. You do all the things that you're supposed to do mm-hmm. so that when times are hard, you have a bit bigger cushion. Right. Well, we do have programs here in Airdrie and, and one of the great things about the food bank is we do partner with Community Links and um, Pregnancy Beyond a number of different um, programs so that we can say, okay, we can absolutely help you, but these people can help you too, and here's how. Awesome. Um, We are also a hub for other food banks in and around Calgary, uh, all the way from to Okotoks, uh, Strathmore, Crossfield. People are coming out to our food bank from uh, no, those areas? No, so we will take the food in, and then we um, those food banks will come to us and take food so oh, that we okay. can pass it around to these other communities. So, yeah, yeah we, we service more than just Airdrie. Yeah. that Well, that's um, less disheartening then because we still have lots of givers here in town. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That was one of the things that I noticed, too, with Airdrie. As much as we see the domestic disputes, abuse and the, the mm-hmm. use of the food bank and the, um, you know, people not having their jobs and, you know, having financial problems, mm-hmm. we also have a ton of givers. Absolutely. Like the, this town, you know, any charitable organization, they're right. not suffering. Um. Well, I'm going to beg to differ on that, (laughs) Chad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I would absolutely say that's not true. Okay. Um, One of the uh, one of my mandates this year is trying, and next year is trying to educate the public that uh, you know, can you run a food bank on funds alone? Yeah. And the answer is, or uh, sorry, on cans alone. Right. And the answer is, you can't. Right. Um, and and that's a question I get a lot too. I saw all this food arrive from you know the citywide food drive. That's amazing. You must have enough food now. Yeah. Well, the truth is, we get seventy to seventy five percent of our giving at this time of year. Yeah. That has to last us the entire year. People do food drives at Christmas time. They they help at Christmas right. time. That's when it happens. So, yeah. uh, you know, hunger doesn't end when June thirtieth hits and 
and kids are off school, yeah. that's when we see a rise too, because those kids aren't getting fed at school now. Right. So now we need, you know, you have to extend the food and the funds. But more than that, I mean, it takes money to run the food bank. Right. We have uh, over 400 volunteers that help facilitate our events, our school programs, sorting, yeah. taking care of the food bank. We have one um, Vietnam vet, Wayne, he's one of my favorite people. He comes twice a week and he takes care of the food bank by, you know, making sure that our, you know, recycling bins are cleaned up and, you know, just does an amazing job. And and that the connection that we have with people that come is amazing. So without our volunteers, we we wouldn't be able to do the work we do. But we do have some staff and you have to to keep the integrity of Of the funds coming in. Um, But then if you think about what it takes to run your house, so you've got heat and gas and water. property tax and water and all that. Well, that's exactly the same for us as well. Yeah. Plus we have major fridges and freezers that need maintenance and trucks and right. gas and, you know, we need new tires on our truck right now and they're expensive. So they it are. costs a lot of money to, you know, and, and the other thing we are finding in uh, Airdrie is there are more charitable organizations that are coming up. They have a need as well. Yeah. So the need is being spread a yeah. little bit more. So... Yeah, I would definitely not say that we are we, need we are be- okay. We, we need better <laughs> givers. We're, we're well, do- no, I mean we are very appreciative of what we have, but yeah. I, I did want to point out that we um, are about eighty percent of what comes in is from business oh, uh, wow. client or you know uh, people in Airdrie. Yeah. It's a community run food bank. Ten percent is government, and that is government funding only in grants that we apply for. So okay. we don't have federal or provincial funding at all. Just nothing. You look for grants. We look for grants. Go we go after them. Yeah. Um, and and that's how we're run. So that's another misconception that people think that we get government money, and we we absolutely do not. Yeah. So that's good to know. Yeah. The um, I was just thinking about. Uh, Oh, I drew a blank. That's embarrassing. Well, at least you did it, and I didn't, because I was pretty sure I wasn't knowing. What am I going to talk about? I uh, This morning, I got up. I took the dog for a walk. I went, yeah. uh, did my stretches, and I got in the sauna, which was a bad idea. So 20 minutes sleeping. in the sauna, it's just kind of like my brain goes down 10%, yeah. and I have trouble focusing on uh, that. I, I, I wanted to get more into the communications officer uh-huh. thing, because you've done it for an IT company. Yes. Yeah. And, and what was that like? So the... You know, the difference between IT and working for the food bank. Mm. What does that job entail being communications manager? Well, um, at Suncor, I was the advisor for IT. So basically, I would, you know, try to sell the uh, projects to, I worked in projects. Okay. Um, so here, here's a project we want to do. You know, we'd have the, the team that would, you know, talk about all the technical stuff and then, you know, I would have to communicate to the different business leaders, yeah. uh, you know, why it's important that we do this. And and then the whole communication rollout plan. So I'm going to date myself a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I remember when I updated my resume to start working at the food bank, I thought, I can't put that I did the XP rollout. That's so <laughs> like 10 years ago. But it was huge then, right? So I, XP. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I just did a large, uh, you know, upgraded computer, <laughs> whatever, because I mean, now it's just funny to hear that. But yeah. anyway, so when we did a big rollout like that, I mean, it was massive. And you have to educate, you know, thousands of employees on this new procedure and this new, okay. you know, everybody's desktop was upgraded. And yeah. uh, it had a huge learning curve because Office was, you know, completely different than it was prior to that. So yeah. it, it's writing the communications plans for each different 
you know, place. So, cause you've got Fort McMurray and there are different type of users than say corporate that are different type of users than Denver or Sarnia. Yeah. So it, it was quite, it was a huge project. That was one of the last big ones that I worked before I left. Yeah. Um, but you're also reporting your outages and, um, you know, if something's down or you're going to upgrade something, you need to let the whole business know, wow. you know, what's happening. So it was a big job. And sometimes it was three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> So <laughs> that's a good thing with these big corporations. Like they expect a lot of yeah. their employees. I know uh, I've heard a lot of people complain about um, uh, what oil people get paid, but mm-hmm. it's not just a Monday. I mean, I'm sure there's some Monday mm-hmm. to Friday, you know, seven to three thirty type jobs. Well, yeah, I mean, and for the most part, I was, but um, you know, I never ever complained about working there because yeah. at that time, I mean, I was getting a massively reduced parking spot, like one hundred and sixty dollars a month. Yeah, and they're like. <laughs> Five hundred or right, six hundred dollars to park downtown in my building. Like, yeah. hello, uh, you know, I had lots of weeks off. I had tons of personal days. I got paid really nicely, but yeah. I also worked. Uh, I, I, that was the first time I'd ever worked in oil and gas. Mm-hmm. So I had worked in the non-oil and gas and engineering world. So yeah. I knew what I came from, <laughs> what I was very thankful for, for what I got. Um, yeah. So you could always tell the people that never worked outside of oil and gas. So yeah, yeah. I'm like, boy, oh boy, you need to join the real world. So, <laughs> And I think people are experiencing that now because a couple of years ago when I thought about going back to work... Um, you know, I was still in contact with a lot of people where I worked and they said, oh, yeah, we could probably, you know, use it here. We could find you a job. And I thought, yeah, but it doesn't sound as inviting anymore. Right. <laughs> Pretty sure I'm going to have to take the ice bus and that's not happening. Right. So, yeah. Well, not only that, that you never know how long it's going to last, right? Right. You take a job yeah. there and, you know. The- well, and, and the other thing, too, my son was diagnosed with autism when he was eight and he's 14 now. Um, and he... You know, he he really struggled in the beginning, even, you know, before his diagnosis, uh, it really helped knowing. But um, I had to leave sometimes. I had to go get him sometimes. I had to, yeah. you know, and I couldn't imagine being downtown. And then 45 minutes away, right, 50 minutes away. Well, then I wouldn't have been parking, so I'd have had to take transit home yeah. somehow or yeah. a cab or whatever. So That's it was 150 I know. bucks. <laughs> so it was really important that I was home and it, it, it wasn't yeah. worthwhile, worth going. And so I, I still had my business and I was fine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, this job came up with the, the food bank and I was newly a single mom and I thought, you know, this could work and I work part time right now and, yeah. you know, it works great. It's a great place to, to work. And I also, if I was going to go back to work and I was going to take time away from my kids, which thankfully I don't because it's yeah. very flexible, um, it had to matter. Yeah. It had to matter what I was doing. I could no longer work for somebody else just so that they could get their bonus and, right. you know, me not get anything for working for, you know, that hard. Yeah. Um, and, you know, nonprofit world, I'm certainly not making the same kind of money as you make in oil and gas. And I am right. completely okay with that uh, because I never go to work feeling like I'm going to work. Yeah. It's such well, it's a, for a cause. It's absolutely. so great what the food bank does, right. the amount of people that they support and help here in town. You know, one of the things, it took me about six months to, I'd never worked in a nonprofit before, um, and, and it took me a good six months to really realize what the goal was because I was so used to having to, um, you Make know. deadlines. Yeah, and deadlines and this and, and that and the other, and I'd be stressed out because, you know, I was only working three days a week, and how am I going to get all this done? And, yeah. and Lori would say, but, you know, it's fine. You know, it's, it's okay. And I'd be like, so no, it's not that. okay. <laughs> and she would say, Christine, people are getting fed, and that is what our goal is. And right. I thought, oh, wow, that's it. That's yeah. all. You know what? If we are able to help our clients and 
you know, we can help our community, then all of the rest of that other stuff can wait till next week. Right. So one of the things I talk about at work all the time with my guys is that, you know, our overall, the way we do things is pretty good. Um, yeah. but it's all those little things that you got to tweak and they're just every once in a while, right? You look at something and go, I could do that a little bit better mm-hmm. and look at something else. I could do that a little bit better. Right. And I think that's what you got to look at, especially in a nonprofit with yeah. as many volunteers is that you're, you know, you said 400 volunteers. Yeah. That's a lot of people it to is. organize. It is. Yeah. I'm we sure have an amazing volunteer coordinator. Carolyn is just a master. Yeah, she has an amazing, uh, relationship with all of the volunteers wow. and, uh, yeah, she, we couldn't do it without her either. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, very it's, much a team effort. So. It is. And, and when you have a good cause, then it's easy to do it. You know, at, at oil companies and big corporations, mm-hmm. everyone's doing it for the money. You know, and you're an executive yeah. at uh, Suncor and, and they're going to pay you $300,000 a year. Mm-hmm. You're just going to do anything that you're asked sure. to do for 300. Yeah. But when you need that same kind of dedication and push mm-hmm. from people that are volunteering, right. that's a whole different well, challenge. Well, yeah. And you have to really, um, you know, we really appreciate our volunteers. Yeah. Because honestly, we couldn't do. We had a volunteer team almost 100% volunteer-driven. Um, we'd had, uh, and you mentioned, you know, making tweaks and changes, and that's kind of what I did when I came in. Maybe uh, I realized I had to go a little slower than, I actually thought, this is funny, <laughs> just to backtrack a little bit, because I had left at XP time. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, you know, when I was looking for, you know, something outside of the home, and also my son said I was talking to the dog too much and it was time for me to go to work. So. You needed some adults. Yeah, I did, yeah. So I thought, I was really nervous because I hadn't worked outside. You know, I had my business, it was successful, yeah. but I hadn't worked outside for, you know, my home for 10 years. And I thought, I'm going to be so behind in IT. I, I, what am I, you know, how am I going to get caught get up? Caught up, and whatever. Yeah. And then I got to the food bank and I'm like, oh, okay. They're still using They're XP. Still, yeah, <laughs> not quite. But <laughs> so it was like, it was like home. It was great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've, I've come in and, uh, you know, made things a little bit easier, you know, where we have lots of online forms now, whereas before we were still faxing things and, you know, stuff like that. Just, they just need a little, not that what they were doing before was wrong. It's just that we now, um, you know, help so many more clients that things do need to be a little more streamlined. And and that's something that, you know, I'm happy to have been able to do. The easier you can make it on the employees, the easier you can make it on the volunteers, and the easier it is on the people that are uh, coming in. How many families a month does Every Food Bank feed? Well, in October, um, October of last year, we did, I'm going to guess at the number off the top of my head, but it was about 126 hampers in October. And that's one hamper per week, right? Uh, no, you get uh, one hamper a month for six to seven months, I believe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so that's 126-ish yeah. fa- families of maybe one, two, four, six, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so we had 120-odd people that came in. Wow. This October, we were up to 196. So it's like 30% yeah. more, 35% right. more? Yeah. Wow. And that's in part one because of, uh, you know, the nature of the people that live here, a lot of them oil and gas or, you know, yeah. or out of work in other ways. And also just the increase of our our community. Yeah. But what do you think about our government and how, uh, how, we're, how could they do better to support food banks across Canada? Oh, yeah. I knew you were going to ask me something <laughs> like that. You know, I, <laughs> I don't want to say I put my head in the sand when it comes to politics. I do a little bit. But so I kind of okay. do. Yeah. I mean, sadly, I know a little bit more about U.S. politics yeah. <laughs> I mean, than I do about Canadian. Cause the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's grease-er. just kind of wah, wah, boring. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, of course, I vote. Yes, I vote. Um, it's 
honestly, it's a little, oopsie, sorry, uh, a little difficult sometimes because, you know, out west, it's our, our vote is... Not as valid, as <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, um, I heard George Carlin say something really funny. I know that I agree with him, but he basically because he didn't vote and he was very oh, yeah. vocal about not voting. And he goes, people would tell him because you don't vote, you don't get a say in anything. Mm-hmm. He goes, no, I should get more of a say because I did nothing and I'm suffering from what you guys. <laughs> yeah, right for your bad for. choices. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would say um, it would be really great if we had support, you know, provincially. Yeah. Um, you know, I. How often do you guys get grants? Like, what does that look like for the food bank? Is it something that you you're applying for hundreds and hundreds and getting one a month, one two a year? Uh, you know, it's a couple of years. So we we apply for the student uh, a student grant in the summer. So we have two student summer students that uh, worked for us in the summer. One in the kitchen and one in uh, the warehouse. Yeah. Um, last year or the year before, I believe we applied for a grant um, for a new freezer. Yeah. You know, so it's it's not like once a month or anything like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, they're and it's very not specific. necessarily cash. It's, no. It's... Yeah, you know, and like right now, I'm looking for a grant for um, to upgrade our website. I've I used to create websites, so I've been doing our new one. Yeah. Um, about eighty percent there, but you know, just time. I don't have, so I'm hoping to get somebody to kind of come in and do the last bits. But you know, again, changing. we need a grant. It's changing constantly too yeah. with SEO and how do you rank on Google? Yeah, and that's right. Yeah. So it's important. And I think that, um, you know, when I came in to the food bank, I started July of 2018. Um, they had a little bit of social media presence, but not a ton. Yeah. Um, and I'm very social media driven. That's basically how I started and, right. you know, was successful with my business with social media. So, and I understand the uh, importance of it and, you know, all that stuff. So it is important. Definitely. It's the connection you have with your community. N- not a lot of people of a certain age read the paper anymore. They don't read the paper. They're I don't not... know anybody that does. My mom, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so funny. She stopped now because I <laughs> taught her how to forward me stuff she reads on her phone, okay. which was also a big mistake, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I Did used you hear about this lost cat? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now she used to clip stuff out of the newspaper for me. And every time I went over there, she'd have five or six little <laughs> articles for me. Because I so know cute. you don't read the newspaper. I'm like, Mom, it's not that I don't read the newspaper. Like, I know what's going on in the world. Yeah. I just don't read the archaic <laughs> newspaper. I read it online. The so. one that slaughters how many trees a day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So so then I showed her how to forward stuff. And that was a massive mistake. Yeah. But no. <laughs> uh, my parents are now on Facebook. And I get stuff right. on the messenger now. I've oh. said, no, don't do it on the regular one. Just do it on right. messenger. Yeah. So no, my parents are not on Facebook or any social media of any kind. She doesn't get it. She'll she'll say, you know, if something good happened to me on uh, social media, one of these um, one of these shows that her and I watch. I connect with my mom in a way that's weird, but we watch these really horrible. I'm not even going to name the names of them. TLC yeah. shows, and oh. we text. Is it the murder shows? Like how to get away with killing your husband? Okay, well. That's another story we can talk about. I actually am a huge murder Reno. I swear my wife is like documented. And I love her. Funny. Yeah, we. I, I am your girl if you want to get away with yeah. I know everything there is to know about every serial killer out there. It's That's actually how I met my boyfriend. We bonded over. It's the kind of subject you kind of gently sort of tip, dip your toe in with somebody. Because yeah. people think you're really weird. I think it's more... 
normal now than yeah. it ever has been. But like you go up, my wife goes to bed before me and I'll yeah. come up and there's the show playing like, oh, yeah. oh so-and-so did this Absolutely. and that's how she got away with Dateline, killing her husband. 2020. I mean, all these shows that I love, documentaries. Yeah. And I actually listen to serial killer podcasts to go to sleep. Have you heard <laughs> really uh, Behind the Bastards? No. Oh, it's an amazing okay. podcast where he talks about right. all the horrible people oh, that have excellent. been in our time. Yep. But the behind the scenes, not the stuff from the news. Oh, like, no, I love that part. The behind the scenes stuff. See, I like the psychology of it all. Me too, Like, yeah. what would drive somebody? And, and I love... Comp- <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that I have a spreadsheet, but I did at one time. I'm a bit of a spreadsheet junkie. I've, you know, like, here's the serial killer. Here is their childhood. What do they all have in common? And they do have a ton of stuff in common. Yes. Scary stuff. I know. Yeah. And not just the, you know, sort of did weird stuff to animals at one time. Like, no, that, ta- that's like the Dahmer thing, right? Right. He I mean, started. that's so overplayed. Whatever. Right. So he ate some people. He, was, he wasn't the first. <laughs> <laughs> They're still doing it. Right. You can go on YouTube and watch people eat people. I right know. Now. Well, you know what's funny? I just I was having this conversation with my boyfriend about you know, it's kind of sad to me that we're never really gonna see. I don't think those kind of serial killers of the past. Oh, of the past. Social media, uh, I mean, technology you can't and get away with anything. There's a camera everywhere. People yeah. like don't yeah. go to Walmart and buy your kill kit. <laughs> With your credit card. Okay. If you watch these shows, what's a good kill kit? Oh, a good kill kit would have duct tape, faux show. Okay. Um, definitely. What your weapon of choice? Probably some, maybe some bungee cords, some wet wipes. I don't know. You've thought this through. <laughs> some lime to cover up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although I was just listening to one on the way here, and somebody tried to cover up the, the blood in the car. You know, they used aluminum. Okay. But they tried to cover up all the blood because she read on the internet that, that Coca-Cola would take away the... Oh. Right. So, I mean, there's that. That might be a way of getting caught. Like, how <laughs> right. do you cover and up it was mass a re- amounts of blood? <laughs> it was a rental, too. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. mm, I don't think she got her waiver back. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's soaked yeah. in blood. Yeah, yeah, no. Soap and Coca-Cola. Or blood and Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah. so... I um I listen to those shows sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm not big on them at all. Oh, all those um, serial killers fascinate me. Mm-hmm. The their thought process, how they get there, how they they qualify their actions yeah, in their like head. Kuklinski is one of my favorites. I don't. He was crazy. What did he do again? He killed people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> breaking news. <laughs> and Ed Kemper. I mean, oh, I don't know him either. Oh my god, he was like almost seven feet tall. Really? He killed people. He. I, I shouldn't tell you all the things he did on this podcast. That's totally it's, fine. Yeah, no, it's pretty bad. I mean, he cut his mother's head off and then did yeah. really naughty things with it. I mean, <laughs> it was, it's bad. But he is one of my favorites only because he was one of the very first ones to actually say in court, yeah. you don't want to let me out. Really? And every time he's up for parole, he yeah. says, you don't want to let me out. I'm crazy. Wow. And I will do it again. And he's this When you get the direct guy. comparison, I'm imagining, like when you're sitting around other killers, other, and you're like, no, I'm different than these guys. Right? I'm like, like that guy will be amateur. Okay. Yeah. He made a mistake. He <laughs> like, got whatever. Angry, got whatever. Yeah, like passion killings. Wah, wah, who cares? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do love a good passion killing too. But um, yeah, it's, it's okay, my so, man. So he's crazy. Um, 
There, there's We've really whole... veered off. Yeah, okay. I came this here is... thinking, you know, I'm going to be all professional and talk about my business and the food bank. And oh, we'll or... get back there. Okay, I'm yeah. sure of it. No, this, that's okay. This is I, way more fun. <laughs> this is way more fun. Yeah. If, I mean, uh, I, uh, my, my best friend who is also, we call it, we're, we're murderinos because yeah. we're very into murder. She's going to be super jealous when she hears that we're talking about. <laughs> so there's a group of women that marry murderers and killers. fascinating. Uh, and you said you recently got a boyfriend or the boyfriend. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is he a killer? No, I'm oh. pretty sure he isn't. Okay. Yeah, I hope so. Why I hope would he's women not. do that? Like, is it that power that they have? Like, I don't know. Just... Like, but if you look at like somebody like Ted Bundy, yeah, he was charming. Mm-hmm. I mean, you remember Clifford Olson? Of course. So I grew up in BC okay. at the time when he, he was wasn't killing that charming, everybody. though, was he? <laughs> Well, actually, the funny thing was my aunt and uncle lived beside his brother oh. in an apartment block. So they had met Clifford a couple times. They were okay. friends with uh, his brother, you know, as as much as you yeah. are with neighbors in an apartment block. And they said the brother was way weirder. That Clifford mm. was kind of more normal than the brother was. It's always the quiet ones. And then off he goes, <laughs> nailing kids to, yeah. to boards. And to, like, yeah, I think I remember as a kid that I... From whatever age it was, it must have been from about six till about ten is when he was roaming around, mm-hmm. but or at least the panic was yeah. that I was never allowed outside without adult supervision. Oh. So we were we lived on the corner of a cul-de-sac, and I was allowed to do anything inside that cul-de-sac. Right. But there was always a parent sitting on a lawn chair at the stop sign. Right. That would be these... terrifying for your parents. Well, to and know that there's this. Well, that's that's it, and yeah. like uh, I think when he got caught, I was maybe around nine or ten. I don't mm. really remember the dates that well. But then all of a sudden, the parents weren't there, and there was this freedom that you never had right. before. Like you could say <laughs> and do things that you yeah. couldn't do because there was no one watching. Oh, you. don't worry. There's another one right around the corner <laughs> yeah. waiting for it to take his place. Yeah, and well, mm. that real that was a real fear of yeah. people. Like it's just well, a one time thing. I mean, it's, there are some people like like Ted who was so convincing. I mean, he worked. At one of his jobs was working at a suicide hotline with Ann Rule, and I don't know if you're familiar with who Ann Rule is. She is actually she's the the reason why I got into um, you know murders and stuff back when I was like ten. <laughs> I mean, this is really really showing some personality traits here. I read. I was we were at a cabin in Sullivan Lake, and I, they had all these books on the shelves. Yeah, and one of them was Ann Rule's uh, book. She was a true crime writer. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. So she was. Uh, she was at the time she was working at the suicide hotline with Ted Bundy. Was best friends with yeah. him, um, or I like to think that you know that's, <laughs> they, that's they were acquaintances at the very least, but probably. probably best oh friends. no, they were super best friends. Uh, <laughs> 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 they went to you know parks together. No, um, <laughs> they had coffee. But she's here. She is a true crime writer, and she's got this serial killer sitting beside her all these years. Probably why I mean, friends. super cool. And if you've never read it, The Stranger Beside Me is one of the best books she ever wrote, okay. and it's about him. Yeah. But I so anyway, back in the cabin, I'm ten or eleven years old. I pull off, and I'm a huge reader. Yeah. Um, this book about Diane Downs, and she that this is where my interest in this kind of murder came along, and then it kind of got into more serial killer stuff, but she was a woman who killed her, tried to kill her three kids in the backseat of her car and blamed it on a hit, um, you know, like a hijacker. Oh, right, right, right down and in the States. Yeah. She rolled them into a lake or that's, something? No, no, that's Susan Powell. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> That's okay. I'll, I can go through it all with you. Do you have their baseball cards all lined up on your <laughs> I don't. Yeah. But you know what? I've been looking on the internet for serial killer baseball cards for Kevin. I've been looking for oh. Christmas. Because what says Spoiler I love you more alert. at Christmas than yeah. serial killer baseball cards? Yeah. I don't think anything. <laughs> um, but no, so she she tried to kill her three kids. And then so she's been in jail yeah. ever since. So that's kind of where it started for me. But yeah, Anne Rule. Yeah. Friends with, super good friends with. Ted Bundy. Ted That's Bundy. how they do it. It's yeah. all psychological. I, I don't know why we're fascinated. If it's that some people think of them as a, like godlike, right? Like they have mm-hmm. the ability to take away life, which I don't think everyone does. I think there's, you know, when I taught martial arts, there's people that didn't want to hit anybody. Mm-hmm. Like they just didn't. I'll hit the pad, I'll hit the bag, but right. I'm not going to hit somebody. But mm-hmm. there's definitely people out there that are okay with violence and, guess, and all yeah. that. And so yeah. they're, 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 I don't want to say stronger people. That's not the right word. But they can do something that no one else can do yeah. or that I mean, few people can do. I don't know why people fall for people. I mean, Ted Bundy married a woman yeah. that helped him with his defense, which he needed because yeah. he was his own lawyer. <laughs> uh, bad move, Ted. Um, and met her and on, I don't know how they met through letters or something back then. And then he ended up marrying her and have a kid with her wow. while he was in jail. Just conjugal visits. I guess. That's but I don't know. Is. I can't imagine. I'm not that crazy. I'm yeah. Maybe a little bit off, but not <laughs> enough to seek romance with some killer. Yeah. I mean, there's a show on, allegedly, because it's not like I've ever watched it, <laughs> uh, Love After Lockup, which is hysterical. And it's these women who or men who meet inmates on now because they do it online. I mean, yeah. it's super easy for you now. And then they have these relationships when they get out of jail. They never work. Yeah. I mean, allegedly, I've never watched it. <laughs> They'll work for a while. Like, there's people married to people in jail for long periods of time. Well, I mean, if you think about it, how perfect is that? Uh, Well, I like being around my wife, so (laughs) they would be horrible for me. Like, once a month, conjugal... No, that's not appropriate. But you get to watch whatever you want on TV. You don't... (laughs) (laughs) You can eat whatever you want. You don't have to make their side of the bed or do their laundry. You don't have to listen to the snoring. I mean, there's pluses and minuses, right? I guess so. (laughs) We've had discussions on this podcast lots about marriage, and yeah. a few people have been very, very against marriage on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, I'm not against marriage. I mean, it's it, it was sad when it it didn't work for us, but it it you know we are very amicable with the kids. We still awesome. do birthdays together. We did Christmas together last year. Yeah. Um. You know, I think that's what's really important when you have kids. So, but I I don't know if I get married again. I mean, I think sometimes you get married because you want to have kids and you want to have that whole thing. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. So. That you don't need to do it again. I don't think so. We'll okay. see. I don't know. You could be like the sex in the YYC lady. Did you see? I haven't noticed. That? that was up next after some murder. She is one interesting lady. Like, so what does she do? She's just like she's having sex all- everywhere or what? Uh, not really. It's, okay. not, it's not as promiscuous oh. as, as you would think, but it's a, definitely a bit voyeurism there, there's huh. a little bit more excitement than the normal one-on-one relationship i think it thing. would be really scary to date now like, I, I it's the reason i work so hard on my marriage <laughs> well, good for you you I should to, i don't want to date you know what you need to wake up every morning and yeah. say this to yourself okay how can i make my wife's day better today right how i i work on me and that's that's what i think yeah. makes our work marriage but good. also yeah if you do the dishes or vacuum, that's foreplay. <laughs> well, sometimes. 
sometimes it's just expected. Like, dude, you did what instead of the dishes? I, yeah. I know. And yeah. we got older kids now, so we well, get there them you doing go. That's exactly of, why you have children. <laughs> that's um. right. It's twelve years of grooming to get <laughs> right. them really good exactly. at doing dishes, yeah. so you don't yeah. have to complain. Do I night. need to tell you how many times I was up with you in the middle of the night? Do the dishwasher. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had no. to have that discussion with a guy at work. He's a new dad, and mm. the baby's a month old or something like that, and uh, he he phoned in tired one day oh. and I'm like <laughs> dude. Um, dude that's okay you're allowed to be tired yeah. just show up and do your job right. well, yeah. we've got it booked we got no yeah so I had to tell a story this this is when I ran my own business I had a drywall renovation okay. business and uh, my wife was sick one night and kind of up and down um, and so I didn't sleep that well that night and then the next night I got home from work and I had a labor job at the time I was hanging drywall yeah. for a living so I kind of had a bad day that day and I get home and I was like I'm just going to relax a little bit get to bed early and then just as we're getting the kids to go down Ava starts throwing up this oh, is my yeah. uh, daughter now 14 year old daughter and so um, I always take the kids when they're they're super super sick and Aww. especially when so Ava was probably about four and Eric would have been about one and a half so there's still baby stuff to do that yeah. I just didn't have the capabilities of doing <laughs> so I what um, do you mean Chad <laughs> <laughs> wasn't born with the equipment I uh, get you I can make them I can feed them <laughs> um, so anyways I sat up with Ava and I thought oh this will be a couple hours it'll yeah. go away and at six o'clock in the morning she's still throwing up yeah. and so I was up all night went to work for the whole day yeah. came back home that night and then I was sick and up all oh, night throwing no. up and I, when you run a business you just have to show up yeah. and get stuff done People don't understand that you're sick or you're tired or you're yeah. like, no, 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 I paid to have my house done. Go get it done. Yeah. And so you you go and do it. So yeah. it was like three days without sleep yeah. and vomiting at work. And yeah. It was awful. But you, yeah. you can always do it, right? Well, I mean, I can remember Christmas Eve, we had the exorcism at our house once with my, my he was one and a half at the time. Yeah. And then he got over it really quick. And then my husband and I got it. <laughs> And we had to get the grandparents to come and take him away. I mean, it was bad. We were just dying yeah. together. It's, yeah, but you have to. Yeah. I mean, I think, oh, you know, babies were easy, though. Yeah. I don't, you Looking have a 14 year old. Now. I have a 14 year old and a nine year old that thinks she's 18. Yeah. Um, it's hard. Yeah. It's way harder now. You have to like <clears throat> teach them stuff and be good people. It was, <laughs> that's my only goal is like, right? just, oh, just be yes. a good person. Like, yeah. show up for work. Do, you know, like yes. work hard at work, yeah. you know, be, be nice kind. to people. I always exactly. say to my kids, you will never, ever regret being kind, but you will always regret being mean. mean. Yeah. yeah, always. And yeah. that is honestly, it's, I mean, having a kid with autism is tricky. Yeah. Um, he's brilliant, brilliantly smart. I mean, yeah. he can talk to me. I have to Google stuff usually when we have conversations because <laughs> I don't A, believe him, or, and I'm always wrong, yeah. or, you know, I don't understand <laughs> what he's talking about. So he's brilliantly smart. Yeah. Um, and, but school is tough because he doesn't learn the way that school teaches him. And, and right. I actually watched this interesting video about why the way we teach kids now is so archaic. And yeah. it kind of is because we don't need to learn in my opinion, all that math stuff and whatever, there's calculators on your phone, for God's sake. You right. don't, history, just, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, yeah. tell me about, or, you know, it's not the same. We need to teach kids differently. And, and anyways, I had a meeting with his school. He's in grade nine. And I said, yep, that's all great. And I'm totally on board with your plan. However, my goal is to raise a awesomely good 
right. contributing member of the community. Exactly. <laughs> and if he needs to take a year off after school, after high school, to find himself, to figure out what he wants to do, then great. But at yeah. this point in his life, he cannot decide what he wants to do. So I don't know the path he's going to take. Right. He needs the basics. Yeah. He needs to be... Um, uh, what's it called? Introduced to all the different subjects sure. to see what yeah. he's excited about. Yeah. I remember uh, I have a friend that was on the podcast, um, and he hates public schools with mm-hmm. a passion. He says they're only designed to make factory workers, which yeah. is sort of was the original plan, mm-hmm. right? When we give them enough education mm-hmm. that they know they want work, that they know they want money, and that they can help us and you know problem solve and that kind of thing. But they need to be there for eight hours a day, and so yeah. that that was sort of the design of school. And mm-hmm. we had another lady on the podcast, um, uh, Rolo, uh, her name will come to me soon. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she was uneducated. She had uh, mm-hmm. university parents, uh, mm-hmm. or both of her parents were university professors, and they never send her to school. So right. like, there's a room. There's a bunch of books. Go have fun. Mm-hmm. And really, really well read, really well spoken, brilliant lady. Yeah. Never spent a day in school in her yeah. life. Well, you know, I at one time with my son, I thought about homeschooling. Emma Rolu. Emma, there okay, we go. thank you. <laughs> I thought about homeschooling. I actually looked into it. Um and I thought, all we'll do is watch Disney movies and bake. I know it. So I figured he's probably still going to learn more from school than any. And yeah. what he's learning, um, because with autism, socializing is difficult. He's He's gone, you know, from not being able to talk to people to now he has got a friend group and he's hanging out with kids. Awesome. And, you know, so it really was... It, it, I think it's been important for him to go to school. Yeah. And also, I, you know, I'll say to him... You know, he he worries about his marks sometimes. And I say, you know what? Do you think I'm smart? And he goes, well, of course you are. You've done all these things and whatever. I said, I was a terrible student. Yeah. I did well in music and art and all those fun things. But I was, and in English, yeah. um, that was about the only thing I was good at. Um, but now it's like, I know so much about history because I choose the history I want to learn about. Right. World War II is one of my favorites. Very cool. Uh, you know, so, but I've, I've spent a lot of time reading. I love to read. Yeah. Um, but do I really think that anything I learned in high school history really... Well, it's not even true, most of it now. <laughs> what we've learned now, my, my daughter will no. come home, tell me about what they're learning. And I'm like, have That's, you heard, uh, what yeah. was his name, History on Fire? You oh, know that no, guy? no. Um, it's another great podcast. Okay. You probably really, it's a guy with this very sexual Italian voice. Okay. Like you can imagine yeah. that. I don't know what he looks like, but yeah. probably he just... looks like Guido with the, <laughs> with the wife beater in the chain. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Italian, little, so I can say that. Little sauce. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right down his shirt. Yeah. But he's got one of those voices that just captivates uh-huh. you and he, he goes in depth into history like mm-hmm. Attila the Hun oh, and, yeah. and World War Two, and yeah. the reason why and the behind the scenes and, and, and it's a brilliant way. I hated social studies mm-hmm. and history when I was a kid, but I could listen to him yeah all day. well didn't you feel like all you learned was about the railroad uh, yeah there was a lot of that we did I mean, a lot of first nation stuff of course if I you think grew was... up in bc we did not do that here no you, i grew up in bc you, yeah. yeah so you probably learned a little bit more about first nation stuff we did a little bit in yeah. alberta but i mean i was born and raised in calgary and i'm sure i learned a little bit but it, yeah i just all i remember is the railroad yeah, super we, boring. Yeah, we did lots on the railroad, yeah. but they don't talk about the Chinese slaves that we No. <laughs> See, that's what ticks me off about history. Right. Like, when I found out, and it wasn't even that long ago, I had taken a, um, actually a silversmithing course at, um, um, you know, continuing education in Calgary, and it was, I can't think of, Viscount Bennett, it was at Viscount. Okay. Um, which was a super old and scary school. Oh my God, <laughs> that place is frightening. Like I Asbestos and mold. Oh, <laughs> and the, like these dark hallways, <laughs> and anyway, and, and they're at nine o'clock at night, 
I can hear my footsteps. I'm walking down the hall and I see all this stuff on the walls and it was about the residential schools. Yeah. And, and, and this was only three years ago. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to find out as I sat there or stood there for a half an hour reading all this stuff yeah. that these, that uh, projects, some kids had done these projects that I had no idea. Yeah. No clue. Cause we never learned about that stuff. No, we were, we talk, I talk about this at length because I think it's important to realize your worst traits. Like mm-hmm. as a person, yeah. uh, and I've heard psychologists talk about this, and in the, even biblically they talk about being meek, so the ability to wield a sword right. and choosing not to. Um, that's important to know that there is a monster inside of you that can fight whatever fight needs to be fought, mm-hmm. but that you also have a leash on that monster, and right. you get to choose when he comes out. But back then, the people that came over to settle North America, they didn't have a leash on their stuff no. at all. They were... They were daring people. They were courageous people, but mm-hmm. they were horrific people. Yeah. I mean, we revere John A. McDonald. Yeah. And he was a beep. Uh, I know. <laughs> he, was not, he was not cool. No. Super not cool. No. no. I don't even want to spend the money he's on, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> no no one has cash anymore. Right, exactly. <laughs> True. We're all done. It's just digital. <laughs> That's we, right. Uh, That's right. My bank card. I remember Charlotte when she was just one or like two, maybe. She said, I said, No, we don't have the money for that today. She goes, Just use that card you always use. I'm like, Oh, man, we're we're raising kids in a weird time. I know. It's Uh, hard. We're doing uh, facilitating the Dave Ramsey course uh, mm. for a bunch of people here in uh, Airdrie right now. They come to our house on Sundays and we do the course with them. And we've gone through it a couple times now. So we help them out with their finances as best we can. But that's the problem is Mm -hmm. that no one has an attachment to their money anymore, right? Like there's not, when you had to take out that, that pack of bills yeah. and, pack that and see you it had go away and pull something yeah, off of that, sure. that had a whole yeah. different feeling than going beep. Well, one of the things that uh, I wish I had learned, well, my dad taught me really well. He was, he's very good at, uh, um, you know, buying insurance and, yeah. you know, uh, saving your money. And, you know, I've learned a lot from him that way, but we, d- you don't learn any of that stuff in school. I mean, you should learn, well, nobody has a checking account anymore. I actually, somebody asked me, Taekwondo, they asked for a check the other day for, for the testing. I'm like, I don't have a check. Can I email it to you? Right. I go, can you do e-transfers? No, it's got to be a check. I'm like, seriously, I don't have one of those. Yeah. I haven't for I haven't four years. I haven't a check in Yeah. Like time. who has that? Um, but I wish that we had learned more about that because yeah. I can remember my first job, I actually, when I was in high school, I trained as a hairdresser. I took okay. uh, hairdressing in school. That's what my daughter's trying to do. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually spent um, six months in Montreal training at Clairol Canada. I wanted to do hair and makeup for um, theater. Okay. So I want, my goal was to go to New York. Yeah. Long story short, I ended up having to have four surgeries on my hands. So that, that dream uh, left. But anyways, yeah. I, um, my first job, I got a credit card, like a store credit card. Yeah. At Cotton Ginny. <laughs> which was, I'm really dating myself, which is... They're not even... A, oh, out? please, no. Yeah. This was like back in the 80s. Okay. Early 90s. Uh, no, 80s, I guess. Late 80s. We got to be close to the same age, I yeah, think. I'm for, yeah, I'm 47. Yeah, I just turned 47. I'm so- I was born in 72. Sa- same. Oh, yeah, okay, so we're the same age. So, <laughs> sorry, what are you, 47? Okay, then I'm 47. Yeah. <laughs> Quick math. <laughs> Anyways, I remember going in there going... What do you mean I can have this outfit and I don't have to pay for it? Yeah. I think I paid for that outfit for six months. I know. Because I never learned. And I, ma- I made really good money. I was a um, an apprentice at a salon yeah. when I was in high school, grade 12. And I made a ton of money. Yeah. And No I, overhead. 
No, right. I had nothing to show for it. I mean, I was still in school, so I didn't have to pay my parents' rent or anything. So yeah. I bought a car, and then the rest of it just went on clothes and uh, stuff. Yeah. I never learned anything. So That's the biggest thing that we learned from Dave Ramsey. Was, it's called the zero-dollar budget, mm. meaning that you tell the money where to go, every cent of it, right. at the beginning of the month. So you're pre-planning your month. These are my bills I have to pay every month. This is my mortgage. This is how much gas I spend. This is my groceries. And now I have this amount left over. What am I going to do with that? In their program, you tithe right off the bat, and then you do um, 15% savings right off the bat. And then whatever's left over is what you invest. You put into, you know, tax-free savings account. or And, of course, they don't have that in the States. But I can't remember what theirs is called. They have something similar. 401k? That's your, I think, if you're working, you have a 401k. Yeah, that's like an RSP. Yeah, here, I think I so, think. Yeah. E- Either way, yeah. we have similar programs. Yeah. But you then you dictate where that goes. And it's amazing when they show you kind of like if you stay within your percentage mm-hmm. budgets of your, your rent and your food and your car allowance and all that kind yeah. of stuff, and then what you have left over, working minimum wage is all you need, and you retire mm-hmm. a millionaire. Yeah. You just stay within that. If you want more, of course, then you have to earn yeah. more. But the, the, the basis of it just blew my mind. Yeah, I mean... I've, I get nervous with credit. Yeah. So I I don't like credit and I don't have debt except for my mortgage. Yeah. And that's how I, that's how we are. My kids are, you know, they'll see their friends go on vacations and, you know, last vacation my kids and I took was like three years ago. I saved up and went to Disneyland with them. It was expensive. Beautiful. Yeah. It was so fun, but I saved for three years, used my WestJet points, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, but we don't go on vacations every year. And I see a lot of people do that a couple times a year. And I think, how do they do it? Yeah. How do they have a new RV and this and that? And I'm like, I realize it's credit. Yeah. And to not have that at my age, to not have to worry it's about that. It's rare. It's, yeah, it is rare. Yeah. And it's it's big relief not to worry about it. They talk about, so everyone's always worried about their credit score. He's mm-hmm. like, don't worry about your credit score. If you're not borrowing money, if you're not in debt, yeah. you don't need, you don't a, need credit a credit score, score yeah. right? Yeah, I hear that. I always think that's really funny. Well, you need to use your credit card in order to develop your credit score. I'm like, yeah, but if you don't use your credit card and you don't, you, you save money right. and then pay cash for things, you never need credit. Well, it's a fear tactic that they use. Sure so it is. In, yeah. in marketing, they, they did this, I think it was in the early 80s, Sears had uh, come out with their remote control garage door opener. Mm-hmm. And so the way they sold this is they showed a lady pull up to the garage. It's a rainy, dark night, and she gets out of her car, and as she goes over to open the garage door, a man walks out of the dark. <laughs> this and was a Sears commercial? This was a Sears Holy. commercial. My grandpa worked for Sears for 30 years. <laughs> that, it was pretty wholesome back then. <laughs> and so, like, literally the next day, everybody wanted a garage door opener. Every wife was afraid to open the well, sure. door. And, like, yeah. they just did well, a brilliant marketing is. program. Yeah, and that's sure. just what credit card companies do and yeah. banks do. I just I uh, opened up a bank account for the podcast um, just recently. And when I was in there doing the business, and the guy right away is like, oh, we can offer you a line of credit and we can right. credit card. I'm like, mm, I don't need don't those. Need yeah. And, like, three or four times he offered me um, all this credit. Mm-hmm. And I kept just saying, no, I'm not interested. No, I'm not interested. And then they sent me the online. Can you rate how we did? And mm-hmm. you know, I he wasn't a bad guy. He's no, doing he's his doing his job. job. Yeah, and but I just rated it kind of low because if a customer says to me, "Oh, I don't want that," I don't keep pushing that. Right, right. And he kept pushing it, so I filled it out appropriately, not being mean. Mm-hmm. And like two days later, the bank calls me. I don't want to say their name because mm-hmm. maybe we'll get a sponsor one day. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. But they uh, they called me like uh, a day or two after I did it, and like, yeah, you didn't give a really good report of uh, mm. the. 
guy that signed you up. And there were, I'm like, well, it wasn't bad. She goes, I know, but we're looking for really, really good. And I'm like, yeah, well, well then maybe stop pushing credit yeah. on people because all yeah. it does is get most well, it's people like all trouble. the little extras, like when you get your mortgage. I did my mortgage recently, and you know, oh, I noticed you don't have mortgage insurance and stuff. I'm like, yeah, because it's a bunch of BS it's is what scam. it is. It's a total scam because yeah. if you read the fine print and ask anybody who's in actual insurance, yeah. You're never going to see a payout on it. They do, I think it's 3% that they pay out for mm-hmm. people that are insured. Right. Uh, is, a, is a number overall. And they don't do it for the amount that you take it out for. So no. if you buy a $300,000 house, you buy a $300,000 right. insurance policy. If you owe $20,000 on the house, they'll only give you $20,000. Right. Yeah. Like, no, they make it seem right. like if somebody died, like I died, now my house is boot, doo, 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 paid for. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> they they qualify you after you're dead. Oh, she had a cigarette. That's right. We're, we're not insuring Absolutely. cigarettes. And that's kind of, you got to be careful with even insurance, period. I know. Yeah. I got sketched out when I did 21 and Me, or not, um, mm. Ancestry. You yeah, know, I did that too. Oh, figure out who see, you that's are. another obsession, passion of mine. I find it so I awesome. have gone back, gone all the way back to, now I did have some good information. I'm on my grandfather's side. He was yeah. uh, Irish, uh, English. Uh, all the way back to 1400. So I was able to find documents, um, you know, seeing like my great, 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 great grandparents' weddings yeah. and births and deaths and all stuff. And yeah. It's pretty cool. I didn't know I'm part Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Iberian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had family that went to Australia, but that line died out in the yeah. 17 and 1800s. I'm trying to remember the, they do the whole little graph thing. And like, if you click on 1450, this is where you yeah. were. And um, I, I found it, it blew my mind. But what was sketchy is when you spit in the jar, they ask, can they share the information mm-hmm. with an insurance company? And oh, you're like, Because right. they also ask you if you want the genetic side, like what are you most susceptible um, mm-hmm. to, what disease are you most susceptible to getting? And I'm like, well, I don't want to know that either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how they got the, just to get back to serial killers. (laughs) We're just going to name this the serial killer lady. That's what we're going to do. There's a little bit of food bank and a little bit of hoodoo design. Let's get really to the real point, right? (laughs) That's right. Uh, But that's how they found, uh, what's his name, D'Angelo, the um, East. The Bayside, East Side, you right. know, the, the he had three different names, and off the top of my head, I can't think of them. Yeah. Terrible. Um, but that's how they found him years and years, like, like 30 years later, was from a uh, 23andMe, a distant relative. Right, it was that's like a third fasc- cousin Yeah, or and that's fascinating to me. Yeah. But my thoughts are, I have friends that say, oh, I would never do that. They might catch you in a crime. I'm like, well, only <laughs> if you do a crime. Like, <laughs> you can't get caught for speeding you, if you never right? speed. <laughs> do you know how cool it would be if my DNA was used to catch a serial killer? Like, seriously. <laughs> That is like your dream. <sighs> and I <laughs> see it won't happen till you start dating serial killers. Right. Hmm. I'll have to yeah. check Kevin's background. Maybe a that's yeah. why. But last week at the food bank we had um, this gentleman, Gary McDougall, come out and he was teaching us um uh conflict strategies. Okay. So sometimes we have, you know, clients that come in and yeah. you know, we have to manage. Yeah. Um and so we went through scenarios and he used to be a um uh, hostage negotiator. So already my interest was Pete. And then at lunch, we started talking about, you know, serial killers and stuff. And he, are you familiar with Charles Ng? 
The name sounds familiar. I don't remember what it is. He was a serial killer in California with another buddy of his. They did it the together. The blonde, good-looking guy. Well, he, well, he, Charles Ng wasn't the blonde one, but he actually hid out in Fish Creek Park in Calgary, where I used to live with my parents okay. at that time. So yeah. he was caught like 20 minutes from my house. Wow. He arrested him. So I super fangirled, and I made him take... Sorry, what was the uh, the officer's name? Uh, Gary McDougal. That uh, might be interesting. Oh, yeah, you've got to get him. He was fabulous. One, he's an amazing facilitator of, of this thing. You know, usually when you have, for me anyway, uh, those kind of things where people come out to work and they teach you stuff and do presentations, you're like, yeah. bored, right? But this guy, fascinating, really awesome. good personality, fabulous guy. You can see, I can absolutely see why he talked the people down off the ledge because yeah. he was really good at communicating with people. But yeah, he's fascinating. I could have picked his brain for hours. Have you heard of the book, uh, The Gift of Fear? No. It is a brilliant book. And so the author, um, I'm trying to remember the basis or why he had the information but anyways he writes about the gift of fear meaning that you know the serial killers that come around people innately know they put off an energy Mm -hmm. and then so you can feel who they are but most people don't listen to it right well we talked about that intuition yeah yeah and i actually one of the things i teach my kids is um well i don't swear but i say forget politeness when i don't mean forget (laughs) um shut the fudge oh isn't that cute okay Fudge politeness. <laughs> yeah. That's what I tell my kids. Like, yeah. if you feel like you're in a situation that doesn't feel good, then yeah. there's probably a reason. Right. And if there isn't a reason and, and it's just a feeling you have, it's okay. Oh, well. Yeah. Just forget it. Like, that right. is one thing I teach my kids. I don't talk about stranger danger because, look, Ted Bundy was, you know, good looking Nicest for the guy. time, right? Yeah. Um, not all crazy bad people come in that bad crazy package. They don't look like it. No, right. they don't. Right. So that's one of the things I teach my kids about. So. I, I and remember. listening to your intuition. Right. Yeah. Right. And huge. One of the things that um, uh, Canadian culture teaches is politeness. And this is what he talks about in the book is that we're just all so polite. We're afraid of hurting someone's yeah, feelings. So like, Canada, you know, can sure. I help you pack your groceries up to your apartment? Mm-hmm. No. no. Oh, come on. Let me help. Yeah. No, listen, I told you no. This, yeah. I'm not trying to be rude. You're being rude now. Yeah. You asked, You're in my bubble. I answered. Yeah. It's done. You know, even parents that make their kids hug their oh, uncle heck or whatever. No, that um, is not, that does not, I had to do that. Yeah. And this uncle. Go kiss your grandma. Actually, oh, you know what's old. really funny is I remember this uncle. He was my grandmother's sister's okay. husband. Okay. Yeah. So this is back in the late 70s, early 80s in Winnipeg, and we would go out there every Christmas and we'd visit all these people. Yeah. And he always made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And then to find out years later that my uncle, my mom's brother, yeah. had incidents like icky feelings with this guy too. And mm. I'm like, well, why are we making, why do why'd you make me hug him if you didn't I feel know. good about him either? Yeah. You know, no, I never make my kids, they have to be polite. They can say hi. Yeah. They want to shake their hands. Great. <laughs> if you don't want to, that's okay too. Yeah. Uh, and you, no. You yeah. just don't. And I trust my dog. My dog oh, doesn't totally. like somebody. If you don't, yeah. I'm like, dude, you got to go. <laughs> my dog does not like the uh, UPS man. Okay. The older, U- the, the UPS man I used to have. The yeah. new one he likes. And my ex-father-in-law. <laughs> really? <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Outlaws, just going to sit that, <laughs> listen to that for a second in my brain. Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> no, absolutely. You got to trust your dog. Yeah, that's it. I would be interested to hear what Gary has to say because that's, yeah, uh, I'm good. reading a book right now called uh, Crucial Conversations. Mm. And so it's how to have those difficult conversations and it's about setting a goal. So like if you have to, you know, 
this might not relate directly to grumpy people at the food bank, but mm-hmm. it could saying, Hey, what is your, what are you trying to achieve down here? Oh, you're trying to get this. Yeah. This is the process. Well, we and go that's actually through. how Gary talks about, like, you need to find out what, what their dialogue is. Like what, can, right. what is it that you're looking for? What can I do to, yeah. you need to get them talking about what it is that they need. Yeah. And I find this, you know, Anyway, with people coming to the food bank, I think it's got to be very difficult to ask yeah. for help. And so we need to make sure that we have that compassion. And right. so if somebody's coming in, maybe a little ed- on edge, maybe a little belligerent, maybe a lot of that is just fear, right. embarrassment, right. uncomfortable, yeah. um, anger, right. because I'm in this situation. Yeah. And Stupid so, so-and-so fired me, so now I'm right, at the food bank. Right. And yeah. so, uh, you know, that's one of the things we talked about last week was not taking those things personally right. and really just trying to, you know, connect with them yeah. on a personal level. Yeah. You don't need to know their story. You don't need to ask them questions, but what can I do to help you today? What yeah. can I do to make this better for you? I think these are the things they need to teach in high school yes. is uh, yeah. budgeting, you know, educating how savings work, how yeah. interest works, all that. And maybe they do, and I'm just not mm. a good enough parent. But <laughs> no, um, I, don't think they do. I think they need to teach conflict resolutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took, uh, we had some people on the podcast that run uh, Camp Praxis, mm-hmm. and they support first. Um, first responders and veterans with PTSD oh, and TBIs. Nice. Yeah. And so their whole goal is for them to be able to have a conversation that's real, which leads to another conversation, another way, and then their communication as well. So they're just work on communication. But right. one of the, the rules, and I implemented this at work and in my house, is that if you're looking through a scope of a gun, you got far left, far right, and bullseye. So in far left, it's um, no power plays. You don't get to yell and push and bull us around. Like that's off the table mm-hmm. now. And no walkaways. And, and I say, men and women because that's typically how it goes but it can go both ways Mm -hmm. that women will shut down and like yeah I'm just not going to talk I'm right. okay. I'm, I'm fine. fine. Exactly. <laughs> Hang on a second. Dude, if somebody, if your woman says she's fine, right. she's not fine. She's not fine. <laughs> no. She's a liar. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and then the very center is, um, so no power plays, no walkaways, no blame. It's how do we solve this problem? Right. So what's the problem? Yeah. And how do we, and Crucial Conversations talks about that as well. Like, I see you're really, really angry, mm-hmm. but what is this really about? Right. And I've had, you know, guys at work that'll come in flipping out about something and I'm mm-hmm. like, did you have a bad night last right. night? And yeah. they're like, yeah, my wife. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So yeah. tell me about that, but then we'll, we'll work on the Anger is really just a symptom of all the other feelings. Right. Anger doesn't stand alone. No. So if you're angry about something, it's because of this or this or this. It may yeah. be sadness. It may be frustration. It may be, you know, yeah. you have. How, how do you express being sad yeah, when most, you've been told it, as right. a man not to cry? Right. I mean, and I think the socially acceptable way to express is anger in a way because yeah. you know it's not okay to cry and it's not okay to you know have other emotions a lot of the times especially in the business world i mean especially as a woman yeah i mean what's i can remember too yeah, yeah maybe i mean i have I'm, guys that come into my yeah. office that are literally ugly oprah crying in my mm. office and it, they're at their emotional level from family right. from work from financial stress and they come in and they get a job that they don't like and they literally start blubbering mm-hmm. and uh, but that's it's probably better for the ones that blubber than the ones that walk away and curse and swear and right. kick stuff and yeah. get mad at everybody. Yeah. yeah, come in and cry, get yeah. it out. Yeah, because right. when when somebody's doing that, all you're seeing is the anger and the violence right. and the whatever. Yeah, and that's against teamwork and team for spirit sure. and all yeah. that. You, but, I'd rather have somebody that cried than somebody that was right. angry all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and that anger is just a symptom of 
yeah. life. Because they probably need to cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> having a good cry. I mean, that's this time of year, I'm watching all the Christmas movies on Hallmark. I can go from watching serial killer documentaries, and now I'm watching, you know, lovely, heartfelt yeah, Christmas movies on Hallmark Channel. Man, yeah. my daughter put on a show, it's an old show, um, Grey's Anatomy. Oh, Yeah. That is like the most emotionally <laughs> intense TV show. She's just starting out because the first couple of seasons are brutal. <laughs> no, I think she's in season four or something oh, like yeah. that. But I don't know which one we watched last. Night. I'm not a big TV person, but mm. she came down to watch. Oh, I'll sit and watch your show with you. Yeah. And I'm literally dad. almost in tears. Yeah. I'm watching this, like sucking it up. Yeah. Like, why am I crying at no. a TV show? It's ridiculous. I know. But, you know. Yeah. Dr. McDreamy got shot. Oh, and, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'll wait till, well, don't tell her this, but a couple of them die on a plane crash. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Don't tell her that. I, I <laughs> took the opportunity to watch her mm. on the couch. And we're not overly emotional family anyways, yeah. like meaning that we don't have these huge outbursts. Right. But I could see the show grabbing a hold of her. Right. I could see the intenseness yeah. in her as she's watching. Yeah. Like she was 100% bought in. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Well, I, I've watched that show from the beginning. I'm, okay. I'm, this year, I'm kind of, I don't know. They just bring in too many people. I get too invested in the, uh, the old characters, and <laughs> yeah. I feel like they're my friends. How dare you kill that guy? Right? And it's like, why are you bringing in new people I have to get to know? I don't like change. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I got hooked on uh, Walking Dead for a little while. Yeah, I couldn't do that but one. But when the slow Because moving... the guy in it used to be in Grey's Anatomy, and he was a sweet guy. Oh, the leather jacket, yes. baseball bat guy? Mm-hmm. I don't remember his name. Is. Yeah. Um, Lucille was the bat, I think. Yeah, he's so bad. I okay. couldn't do it. Yeah. I, what I didn't like about it is like, how are you still getting killed by slow-moving zombies? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. You can't just outwalk them? I never got into the... <laughs> what's that stupid dragon show? Everybody was so sad about the ending. The dragon. How to train a dragon? <laughs> There's a dragon in it or something. I don't know. The... um. God, what is it called? T- oh, um, with all the people and they've got the fur coats on and the. I know which one you you're know. Uh, I never watched an episode. No, I I just couldn't get into the dumb dragon show. I just remember. Oh, that's everybody was. I know what is it called? Everybody um, was so sad that they they didn't like the ending and they wanted the people to like redo the ending. I can't I'm gonna, think of I'm going to look it up. This is good. Uh, good <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Popular TV. Shows with the dragon. With <laughs> dragon. Everybody who's listening to this is screaming right now. Uh, it's know. blah blah blah. How to kill a dragon is the first thing. <laughs> yeah, that yeah came no, up. it's not how to kill your dragon. It's, Popular it's TV. it was. Uh, I can see it, and, and and it was an acronym too. Everybody called it by the acronym. Right. If my friend Kim is listening, so, she's is screaming there right now. Is there white in it? No. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, this anyway, is ridiculous. it was terrible. All right, I'm not. I can't find I'm it. I'm not into that stuff. <laughs> So. Uh, Vikings was a phenomenal mm. TV show that uh, had a good storyline. Okay, well, here's something about me that's... Tons aw- of serial killers in it. Oh, is there? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I can't watch something. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> I can't watch a show or a movie where I know in the time period that that would have taken place, they would have been stinky. <laughs> they would have been stinky? Right. Like they didn't bath enough? Right. <laughs> so Vikings is off. It's the- super out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a no for me. Oh, I had the name of that TV show because that TV show would be the same thing, right? right? No, yeah. they didn't bathe, and no. yeah, no, what I are you can't. Doing in the wintertime, you barely have enough water to drink. You're not gonna right. bathe, right? No, so I can't like Braveheart and those kind of ones. Yeah. Sure, they're fabulous. I know Mel didn't. I can't believe bathe. that's all you think about is how they smell. <laughs> well, it might be a little OCD. It's hard to say, um, but yeah, that's what goes through my mind. I can't watch them. Yeah, so there's a little known fact. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I can't watch shows where real life uh, uh, inanimate objects talk. 
Uh-huh. So like the what was it the MVP the monkey that played hockey yeah and he was a talking I'm like can't watch it not gonna happen <laughs> don't buy it no but if it was a cartoon I'd be 100 percent right <laughs> <laughs> well that's Kevin and my son watch all these highly inappropriate cartoons yeah and I don't get it yeah. but they seem to love it and they bond Family over guy, it so, yeah. yeah that's the yeah. one and then this Rick and Morty or something I yeah. don't know there's one with about a hamburger too they, the guy owns a hamburger oh and, uh, Bob's Burgers Bob's Burgers yeah. that's some of them are funny but it's just not enough time know. in the day to spend yeah I know it's TV. not my it's not my jam <laughs> yeah. now we... a serial killer cartoon might there's be there's gotta my jam. be one out there isn't I don't know it? but I guess they're not cartoons either it's animated Oh, right. That's the proper term. Okay. I've been schooled a bunch of times. This cartoon was the old style where right. they hand drew them out. On right. The... Do you remember Saturday mornings? I just talked about this the other yeah. day. It was awesome. I got yeah. up. You had cartoons for two and a half, three and hours. And you didn't dare wake your parents up because if they woke up, they'd make you do stuff. Right. And then you couldn't watch the yeah. cartoons. That's why they put it on early. Right. To entertain the I kids know. and to sell us crap that we didn't right. need. It was a simpler time. Do you know they made a law about that? About the stuff they sell? About how they can sell during children's uh, oh, yeah. entertainment. Well, do you, I, I mean, Fred Flintstone used to sell cigarettes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they used to <laughs> Although smoke. I don't think Fred Flintstone was really a kid's show anyway at the time, but Probably he was selling not. cigarettes and drinking whiskey and stuff. That's yeah. Funny. Bugs Bunny, same thing. Yeah. Yeah, they smoked on that show. Yeah. I think they even had some psychedelics on that show. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Well, obviously, because the Roadrunner in real life does not look like a real Roadrunner. I've seen no, a real one. Yeah. I almost ran one over. Yeah. They don't look the same. The Roadrunner in the cartoon looks like an ostrich. Yes. Yeah. Real Roadrunners are tiny, like, little pheasant-looking things. Right. I almost ran it over. Yeah. And and then that same trip, I ran over a snake. Where is this at? S- um, Sedona. Where's, oh, uh, Arizona? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a cool trip. I bet. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in Australia, we saw some creepy oh, stuff there. There is some major... Weird stuff in Australia. The the one, the two that freaked me out the most. One was um, in Cape Tribulation, so that's the northernmost part. Of, it's all in the rainforest, and we're staying mm. in this little place. And there's critters running on the walls, oh, and God, they're like, "It's not a, it's not a big deal. They leave you alone." I'm like, "Okay." So you get under your net, and and you sleep there. <laughs> if I need a net to sleep, it's yeah, a hard no for me. <laughs> but anyways, they had a pub, and this is more like a hostel where everyone okay. hostile, hostel, hostel. If hostile. you're hostile, then you're hostile. mad <laughs> about the hostel. <laughs> Which you're staying in, which I would be very hostile to stay in a hostel. Yeah. There you go. So, anyways, <laughs> there was a big pub sitting there, and so I went down there with a couple of guys. We went early and having some beers, and had to go to the washroom. So I walked in, stood at the urinal, and nothing else to do. You look up, and there was a oh, spider God. like the size of a dinner plate. No. Like, it was massive. It's called a huntsman. It's uh, I think it's a bird hunting spider. It doesn't have any it, poison it or hunts it jumps, birds. It jumps down on birds. Oh hell no! I think that's what it is but anyway so like midstream shut down back out of the bathroom i go tell the bartender i'm like dude there is a big (laughs) evans biter in that bathroom and he's like oh it's probably just a huntsman don't worry about it and his cool australian accent i'm like don't dude that thing's big enough to rape cats like it is (laughs) big and he's like they don't bite they don't nothing oh no there'll be no more have you seen the video of the kangaroo with the six pack kicking the window (laughs) yeah hard no no i have a friend in australia i when when I was uh, 16, we I was in the Stampede Band mm-hmm. when I grew up. And so we billeted families back and forth to different countries. So we had this guy that stayed with us from Australia. So I kept in contact with him since 1986. Oh, cool. Um, he unfortunately passed away a few years of brain cancer, but I've kept in contact.
lived with his sister. So she's trying to get me to come out there. Nice. But then every five minutes I'm seeing these videos on Facebook of like these spiders coming out of toilets and like oh, yeah. the muscular kangaroo. And I'm like, no. The, the, the truth is it's like a big city. Like, we have stuff of that course. kills us here. Yeah, but everywhere. they don't live in, they live a little rural, I okay. think. And I'm not, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So the spookiest part, that spider was spooky. And then later that night, we uh, stayed at the pub till closing time, and we met a bunch of the, the girls that were worked there, and they're like, hey, we're having a beach party. As soon as the bar closes down, we got a half hour to clean mm-hmm. up. We're heading down to the beach. You guys want to come? We put a bunch of beer aside, and I'm like, of course, cute Australian girls. Right. Why aren't you going to follow yeah. them? So anyways, it's like 2.30 in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning, something like that. It's pitch black out, no moon, and we're walking through the rainforest. It's so dark. I can't see the person in front of me. I would <laughs> run into him and still not be able to visibly yeah. see him. And stuff would land on no. my shoulders and jump off. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Run across my feet, scoop <laughs> between my legs. And I'm like, for inside, I'm screaming. Like right, a, but you're trying to be cool for the hot girls. <laughs> trying so hard. <laughs> I was exhausted by the time right. we got to the beach from the stress right. level. Like mentally and taxing. holding back all that. Right. Ah, screaming yeah. that I wanted no. to do. I'd be a no. Uh, yeah, that, that was spooky. And then we get down to the beach and it was all fun and good and stuff right. like that. And they're like, oh, we're going to head back. I'm like, I'll head mm. back when it's sunny Sunny out, out yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to hang back. I'll lay here on the beach and yeah. try not to get eaten by a oh, crocodile or No, I'm tiger not shark. big on stuff like that. No, no. it's fun. You know what? That's like an hour and a half in. Wow. This has been a blast. You have to That's come back great. again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure I'll... You know, maybe there'll be a new serial killer I can talk about. There is. A, I'll do my research, and we'll <laughs> yes. talk all serial killers. Ooh, let's do so a whole share some of the stuff I need to podcast. watch. All right, all murder podcast. All murder. Co- That's you guys heard it here next week. All, all murder, murder podcast. podcast. That's all yeah. we're going to talk I'm gonna about. I'm going to brush up on some of my favorites. Did we miss? I'll anything? show you my spreadsheet. <laughs> I gotta see that. We'll put it up on the big screen. <laughs> we talked about your jewelry. We talked yeah. about hoodoo design. We mm-hmm. talked about oil field. We talked about we, we got it covered. Did I think we miss so. anything? I don't know. I think you know. I could sit and talk forever. But I can too. You know, it's I great. I have uh, people coming over in about twenty minutes All to right. get caught up on their Dave Ramsey stuff. So oh, okay. I, yeah, well. they missed an episode and they need to get caught up. So everybody, thank you for listening. Oh, thank you. we're gonna share yeah. hoodoo designs yeah, uh, so website. Uh, hoodoo designs.ca. Perfect. Yeah. AirdrieFoodBank.com. Where? AirdrieFoodBank.com. Yeah. And they can also find you on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, all the, all the stuff. We'll yeah. post the links. Thank you. Everybody, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And I have to go to outro because my producer is playing a video game tournament today. So Awesome. See you, everybody. <laughs> thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. This podcast is over.